This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Many health outcomes depend on recovery from processed food addiction, and understanding addiction to processed foods opens the door to recovery from stubborn diet-related diseases. Dr. Ifland has been looking for a reliable way to help people stop compulsively eating addictive harmful foods since her 23-year quest finally yielded online programs that reliably give compulsive overeaters control over food for the long term. Valeria interviews Dr. Joan Ifland, the author of The Food Addict's Meal Prep Manual, Save Yourself from Food Addiction in Only Two Hours a Week, and co-author of Processed Food Addiction, Foundations, Assessment, and Recovery. Dr. Ifland has been creating breakthroughs in recovery from food addiction from 1999 with her first popular book to 2018 when her textbook, Processed Food Addiction, Foundations, Assessment, and Recovery was released by CRC Press. She founded the Online Addiction Reset Community, ARC, in 2016, foodaddictionreset.com. The Facebook group, Food Addiction Education, 2014, and foodaddictionresources.com, 2014, provide free support. Reset Week is the first online live video program for withdrawal, 2018. ARC Manager Training is a program for training future addiction reset community leaders, 2020. Dr. Ifland is the lead author of the first scholarly description of processed food addiction and definition of addictive foods. Dr. Ifland earned her PhD in addictive nutrition at Union Institute University, 2010. Her MBA at Stanford Business School, 1978, and her BA in Economics and Political Science at Oberlin College, 1974. She currently resides in Seattle. Meet Dr. Joan at foodaddictionreset.com. Here's the interview with Dr. Joan Ifland. In your own words, who is Joan Ifland? Well, I think first and foremost, I'm a grandmother, a mother, and then a, I don't know, I would say a rescuer of souls. I am in the field of recovery from processed food addiction, and processed foods block our knowledge of ourselves, our hearts, and our souls. And I do this all day long. I do it 365 days a year often, which is I help people understand that processed foods are drugs. They are peddled by the tobacco slash processed foods companies to be addictive and to 
kidnap your being, kidnap your thoughts, so that you're always thinking about products, your, your head is filled with cravings, and you don't get to hear the beautiful, joyful voice of your heart and soul. It's being drowned out by cravings. So I, I think of myself as <clears throat> a rescuer of souls. Wow, I love that. What a beautiful title, too. I mean, we're just using words here, but as I said, off record, it's just such a beautiful intention to see in other human beings. I really appreciate that, John. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. How did you become a food addiction specialist? I know you sent me a video with the story and it's beautifully uh, communicated the message there, but I would love to hear from you now what it has been like to be addicted to food. I started this phase of my journey at age 44, January 1st, 1996. I cut sugars and flowers out of my diet. That started my professional journey. But when I say my struggles my battle, my fierce battle with processed foods likely started at conception mm. because my parents were eating processed foods, which meant that the DNA replication mm. in that very first cell was altered by these drugs. So I was born addicted and then the addiction was carried forward. I was bottled fed, but even if I'd been breastfed and my mother were eating sugar, I would have become addicted to the sugar in her breast milk. So I grew up in a household that was quite violent. My parents ate processed foods and my father had a drink every night and they were always had caffeine around. And then we had the standard American, I don't know if the standard American diet, this is the 1950s, but we had the, the processed cheese and the margarine and the white bread and the sugary cereals, and the juice, in the milk, in our house. We made a dessert every day. My grandfather had a candy store, and I know my mother was sugar addicted. And then my parents were quite violent, very unpredictable, very irritable. It was a terrifying household to grow up in. So fast forward to age 44, I now have two children of my own, and I am losing my temper I am raging, and I don't want to be. I want desperately for that to stop. It was the kind of thing where I would be raging. I would be stepping outside myself, looking at myself, begging myself to stop, and being unable to do so. And I was doing things. As soon as my children were bored, I went into therapy. I understood all the abuse. I finally got a handle on that, but didn't stop the raging. So I went into a women's group. Spent lots of time, a healing group, training, helping others, didn't stop the raging. I went into a 12-step group, Codependence Anonymous. That also didn't stop the raging. But there was a woman in there who said to me one day, why don't you try food addicts in recovery? And I'm like, why would I do that? But I was a yo-yo dieter. I would regained my weight at the end of 1995. So I went and got the food plan for the recovery community, the food addiction, food addicts and recovery program. And on January 1st, I cut out sugars and flowers. Mm. And about three weeks later, I was standing in my kitchen and I said to myself, wow, everybody's been so good. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to yell at anybody in three weeks. <laughs> and um, it just hit me like a ton of bricks that it wasn't about my family's behavior. It was about cutting out the sugars and flowers. 
And fortunately, I had started to go to the support group. I had to wait till Saturday. You know, we didn't have the internet in 1996. But I went to the support group and I said, my goodness, has anybody else experienced this release from anger, raging, irritability? There were about 20 people in the room and they said, yeah, that's pretty normal. What? Uh, yeah. You know, I'm about all the therapy and all the, and my children, <laughs> they were 11 and 12 years old and all the years in which I couldn't control my temper. And there it was, boom, right in front of me. So that's when I committed. I committed my life to helping people understand what processed foods are doing to them. What an insightful story that perhaps all of us can relate to. I love how you say that you actually could watch yourself, like behave in a certain way that you didn't want to. That sounds to me almost like a soul calling, a spiritual calling. It sounds like it. So now might be a good time to ask a question about spirituality. Do you have any belief systems or practices, spiritual practices or anything close to it? I would love to know more about it. Well, I will tell you, you know, I understand now just the, the devastation of what the tobacco companies did. They started in 1963. They bought a uh, sugary drink company called Hawaiian Bunch here in the U.S. And then in 1985 to 1988, they bought Kraft, Nabisco, and General Foods in three short years. Mm. They saw the opportunity to make money off of their addiction expertise. Mm. And they came into processed foods there was evidence for the addictive properties of sugar and high fructose corn syrup, and they just moved in. And you see the obesity crisis, all the diet-related diseases and deaths just start from there. As I have evolved over the years, you know, I have a business background. I have an MBA from Stanford. My undergraduate degree is in economics and political science. I earned my PhD in addictive nutrition along the way. And I created, I mean, I've published on this addiction business model. It's a model. It's a specific processes that these very powerful corporations with lots of access to advertising mm. and distribution, because they learned how to advertise and distribute nicotine just diabolically well. And that's what they brought over to processed foods. I'm acutely aware of how evil this situation is, it's being promulgated by corporations, by individuals, real people to create profits for investors. And they're not going to be held accountable. They're not going to be brought to justice in their lifetimes. And I know this is kind of a circuitous route to getting to how does this help me with my spirituality? My belief in an afterlife has just skyrocketed. I absolutely firmly believe that there is an afterlife and that they will be held accountable in that afterlife. In my present life, I am so humbled. I'm just like, how did I get picked? <laughs> yeah. Because we see that we have an online recovery community, which works splendidly. It's a match for a severe addiction. So people, after trying many, many things, are finally getting control of their food and their life. But here's the most beautiful part of what we do is when you take the substances out, the substances that create depression, anxiety, fear, mm. irritability, you know, the blocks to loveliness, you take those substances out and then you work through just inch by inch, day by day as people are ready, 
the negative messages that they got from their parents. Like I got messages from my parents that I'm a nuisance, I'm annoying, I'm stupid, because they were filled with negativity. They embedded those messages in me. And so gradually over the four and a half years that I've been in this recovery community, it's called the Addiction Reset Community, I have thrown off enough of this negative messaging that I now have a vision of how I was created, who I am created to be, a lovely person, a kind person, a generous person, a compassionate person, a generous, just loving person. I have never met that person before. I'm 70 years old, and I'm just so grateful that I lived long enough to meet the real me. (laughs) (laughs) And we teach a lot of self-kindness, self-compassion, self-generosity, self-patience, self-love, self-liking. Why does that work? It's because we see ourselves finally for who we really, really are. Mm. We are fantastic. Mm -hmm. Humans are super fantastic. (laughs) They're lovely. They're wonderful. (laughs) They're creative. They like helping people. Everybody who comes almost through our program Mm. at some point will say, you know, I want to do your training because I want to help the next person. Their first instinct as they walk out of this nightmare is to help the next person. So you really, without the processed foods, Without the negative influence, we live in a trauma culture. These corporations benefit from traumatizing us, putting us into pain so that we'll buy their products to relieve the pain. It's not just the processed foods. It's also a lot of the negative, stressful messaging in our culture and the way people are treating each other in social media. So you got to kind of get gradually disengaged from all of that but the reward, you know, what's waiting for us is being this person, realizing your own wonderfulness, that you were created to be a wonderful, spectacular, enjoyable person. And the processed foods and all the addictions just create such a block to that experience. And that, to me, is the true tragedy of an addiction. It's so true. I mean, listening to you is like song to my ears, <laughs> to my heart. <laughs> what is not to love about it? It really yeah. resonates true. I wonder if the people behind these corporations who are kind of passing it on this message of that money is more important than human health or human connection or love or kindness. So I wonder if they also eat those food. Because they put it out there like McDonald's and all, but they probably don't eat those foods. And isn't that funny? Why would you recommend or ask somebody to do something that you don't do yourself? It doesn't make sense. It's just money. Like we know that in Silicon Valley, when those high-tech employees hire nannies, they make the nannies sign agreements that their children will not see a screen. They know how addictive and damaging those screens are. They're protecting their own children while they go out and addict other people's children. It's soulless. But you know what? I just realized something I never thought of before, which is because of the way they're structuring their lives, you know what? They will miss out on the most beautiful, lovely part of life, 
which is knowing themselves, their own internal wonderfulness, they will have to cover that up in order to do what they do. You can't be hurting millions of people. A million and a half Americans will die this year from diet-related diseases, four times the rate of COVID, four times higher than COVID. You know, they can't be out there killing other people and viewing themselves and be in touch with how wonderful they are. So you know what? They are, and maybe maybe I've never really thought of it this way. I'm so grateful for this conversation. Yeah. But maybe they're being held accountable without even knowing that they're being held accountable. But yes. we know. It's already happening. I don't think you can be disconnected from your true self or have the knowledge of that and not be true to it and be happy. It just doesn't make sense. They don't align. So yeah, you're right. Yeah, that. what a beautiful insight, right? They are not yeah. happy people or satisfied, fulfilled. They don't feel fulfilled. And I have heard about that too, that we can see sometimes in our own selves, in, in myself, in a very small scale, this desire to have more instead of being grateful for what we already have, what, mm -hmm. what's already here. Like I really treasure mm -hmm. relationships. So I'm always looking for ways to show my appreciation to people around me. But sometimes we kind of fall out of that for a moment. I see that in myself looking for something else. Mm -hmm. And I can imagine human beings with that kind of thinking or belief systems, they, they must be like craving all the time. Like you speak of yeah. craving foods, they are craving more and more and they can never feel fulfilled, which is a, a horrible state to be in. Yes, this is true. And then you find out that the greatest source of fulfillment, satisfaction, calmness, pleasure is in your self. Yes. And it's free. Yeah. It doesn't cost <laughs> a penny. It's your knowledge of how wonderful you are and your creativity and your the pleasure of sitting with your own thoughts. What is love to you, John? This is such a good question. I literally, until I got into this immersion recovery program, I have been immersed in it for four and a half years now. I didn't even trust the word love. Mm. It just seemed kind of fake. Yeah. But now that I've removed you can rewire the brain you can retrain the brain so that any amount of trauma any amount of negativity that you've been exposed to in your life you can retrain the brain not to be in pain from that anymore it's not a process of forgiveness necessarily it's a process of getting in touch with yourself as a powerful adult And then the understanding, like I understand my parents were under the influence of terrible drugs that they didn't even know they were under the influence of. So they're just not an influence in my life anymore because I've gone through the things that they taught me about myself and I have rewired them. That was not true. That was not true. I'm a powerful adult now. I can decide what I think and feel about myself. So kind of like that negativity is almost the opposite of love and as that has cleared away this wonderful feeling about myself has emerged this is our natural state i think our natural state is to be healthy yeah. and happy we're created to be happy human beings were created to be happy to be filled with joy to be filled with wonder and 
I think all of those things are what we define as love. It could be a force from outside of us that fills us up. I think in, in addition to that external force, I think we were built, we were created, we are designed with that as our central force inside of us, that love, that caring for other people, the ability to empathize with another person, the ability to make another person feel safe because they can be heard. Just the ability to listen to another person and know and be able to communicate back to them, I have heard you. That's very, very powerful. And the precious foods take that all away because they impair your frontal lobe, the part of the brain where you pay attention. So they disconnect us from other people. But I've learned in the arc of what love is. And, oh my gosh, I've experienced now love. And that is very different from knowing what love is in quotation marks. And it's not romantic love. Although I have to say, <laughs> as a result of being in the arc, I've been divorced for 12 years from a 32-year marriage. I am reconnecting with a guy I went to business school with 46 oh. years ago. <laughs> oh, yeah. So romantic love <laughs> is definitely a part of this, but they're all different kinds of love. But it comes from caring and it comes from empathy. But the core source of love is knowing yourself as a very, very lovable, wonderful, lovely person. Yeah. And when you feel that way about yourself, it's very easy to feel that way about other people. I know you talked earlier about addiction to food comes from conception. We are born with that, a lot of us, but also from belief systems, right, John? Mm -hmm. It's funny, belief systems. And then I think about emotions too. Like I crave foods that I would never crave when the period is about to come. Yes. So yes. I would love to hear more about that too, because I feel almost like, not that I feel like I am a food addict at that time, but it's the craving, craving junk foods. And I, I never do. So that's kind of interesting to see. Cravings are not normal. Cravings are created by drug dealers. Oh. But also some activities that trigger dopamine releases in the brain, like gambling, sex, shopping, screens, social media, uh, work can create dopamine hits, um, exercise. You have process addictions as well. When you are craving those irrationally, and what is the difference between a craving versus one of your thoughts? So craving thoughts are not you. They're not your lovely, wonderful, happy mm. self. They are messages that have been trained into your reward center in mm. your brain through outside influences, through the addictive substances themselves. So if you had never seen junk food or you'd never gotten messages about how yummy it is, you know, cigarettes are sexy, processed foods are yummy. It's part of the addiction model where you have to create delusion around the product. The product is worthless. It's harmful. It will kill you. It has absolutely no redeeming value. So the only way you can sell it is by creating an addiction, that those cravings. I think that's something that I wish everybody knew. Cravings are not normal. They're not funny. They're not charming. Mm. They're not you. They will kill you. They're a disease. And whatever you have the craving for, oh, I just, you know, I've got to have that dress or... I'm going to go lose myself in the nice, cool 
department store or online shopping. I'm going to just spend the afternoon at Amazon. This is life. This takes away. We only have one life, and it's a fantastic life. It's a glorious life. It's a spectacular, stupendous, wonderful life. And cravings take that away. Cravings get between you and that life. So cravings are not normal. I didn't know this until I was 44 years old. I went to kindergarten with cravings. My very earliest memory is of trying to trick an ice cream truck driver into giving me a free ice cream. I wow. told him I was sick and I needed ice cream. My earliest, my very first memory. So people grow up with cravings. They're born with cravings. And they don't know that they can go away. So they try to dance with them. Well, I'm just going to have this much. Or I'm not going to have it today, but I'll have it tomorrow. It's the dance that saps our, our spiritual energy, our, our caring for life and others. I was 44 years old when I got off the sugars and flowers. I cut them out. And I'll never forget this. It was day four. It only took me four days for the cravings to stop. And I was sitting at my dining room table. I was doing some kind of work. I sat down at 8 o'clock to do my work. And I looked up at the clock again at 12. And it was the first four hours of my entire life that I didn't think about food. And I didn't know you could even do that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so it's a short withdrawal. I think the point is it's a short withdrawal. Yeah. People often say, I can only hold on to a food plan for, for two or three days. It's because this withdrawal that has increasing cravings, like in alcoholism, the worst cravings are at the beginning of the four days, acute phase of withdrawal. For some reason with processed foods, it's day three, day four, and the cravings are screaming. The addiction is screaming in your head. I've had to stand in my living room and say, no, I am not talking to you today. And I'm not doing what you say, because I will see you back here in three days. If I give in today, you're just going to be back in three days. Right. <laughs> so when you know, when you know that the cravings will go away, it could be four to eight days, but it's not that you're going to have to live with that torture. You just have to keep walking until you get free. I don't think pe- most people know that. And then the other thing you have to be very careful about is not to transfer the addiction. Mm, so yeah. a, a physician said to me the other day, he said, I'm so proud I got this patient off of sugar. And I said, but you didn't treat the addiction, did you? Oh, yeah, I did. I got him off of sugar. But you didn't treat, he wasn't in a, an addiction recovery program. No, 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 I did that myself. I got him off the sugar. And so I said, well, do you know whether you transferred him to pornography or to gambling or to uh, dairy, or to exercise, where did the addiction go next? We obviously hadn't thought of it. So it's another reason why this addiction is so severe. It's because people don't know. You've got to treat the addiction. You've got to rewire the brain to know. Like We teach our people in our program that to know when their brain is getting too excited. Mm-hmm. I remember who who got off the sugars and flowers and she was working on the list of other addictive foods and she had to have a handyman over. Well, the handyman was handsome and funny and they had a great afternoon together. He was married, but they gave each other a big hug when he went off and got in his truck at the end of the day. 
And she came right into a chat. She was there telling us about her day. And I asked her if she would like some insights into what might have happened. And I was able to explain that because she's gotten off the processed foods, the addiction is scrambling around trying to find a new source of stimulation. And did she think that that might possibly have happened in that afternoon? Did she feel that kind of excitement that that she used to get around processed foods? And she said, oh, my goodness, yes, that's exactly what happened. And she was able to stop it. You know, she's like, oh, he's married, but I would like to see me. No, she just just able to stop it. Okay, I get it. Get it. That's not going anywhere good. That's why, I mean, our program is very comprehensive. It runs 24 hours a day because we're all over the world. We train our members to recognize when something is just a little bit too exciting. So when you have cravings around your monthly cycle, that could be a magnesium deficiency. Women need more magnesium around their cycles. So you could talk to your nutritionist or any professional about just getting a magnesium supplement during that time of the month. Everything you say just sounds so true. (laughs) We know as human beings, if we are paying attention, how it works. So that might be a deficiency of something because I do feel that it's getting a bit better, but it's uh, still there. A lot of the times the way I rationalize for myself, I was trying before um, reading about what you do actually was I thought it was natural. It was something my brain, my, the mind was saying, oh, that's just a natural thing. The body's going through a lot of chains and then it's okay to eat bread now. It's okay to eat whatever it is that it, the, the body's craving. Mm. But it, you said it's not normal, actually. Not normal. Are not normal. We've had them our whole lives, so we wouldn't know that it's not normal. But when you get rid of them, it's the first thing people talk about. My head is clear. My head is clear. I get to think about what I want to think about. But I didn't know about the addiction transfer. I got off of sugars and flowers, and I started compulsively using online solitaire Mm. and I didn't know and my support group didn't know to warn me about it it was another devastating phase in my family when they needed to talk to me and I was sitting there at the computer playing online solitaire it's very sad yeah it is it sounds very sad Uh, my mother-in-law lives with us now and she does exactly that she eats sugar and everything that has to do with sugar all day long and caffeine And she's 87 years old. And she does say something that you said earlier. She says, oh, I'm going to get lost now. So she goes into her room, she locks the door, and that's when she probably eats all the hidden stuff. She has bags of chips and everything in there. Oh, I'm so sorry. I know. My husband and I are trying to help her, but it's something that she doesn't want us to touch her food. It's uh, She's mm-hmm. almost like, yeah, very protective around mm-hmm. food. And she gets mm-hmm. upset if we talk about it even. Mm-hmm. How amazing, mm-hmm. John, how powerful it is. It just like you said, it gets a hold of us. And now we have no idea who we are and what we really want for ourselves. Uh, it is sad. So she, will, she will die without ever knowing herself. Yeah, I know. And she's close to me now. And I was thinking, oh, that might be for a reason. Perhaps I can help her to find herself. But I'm not. We can't change people. We can influence them by being ourselves, right? By being our true selves. We can't really impose that. 
It's sad to hear even that now that she will probably lose the body without knowing herself. I hope not. I still have hope, I guess. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) hang in there. You have been helping so many people in so many different ways. I really admire you for that and have kind of deep appreciation for that. So the more I know the things you do, the more happy my heart becomes. Let me mention some of the works, and I think I have almost everything here, hopefully. You have written the book, The Food Addict's Meal Prep Manual. Mm -hmm. And also you Mm -hmm. co-wrote a book titled Processed Food Addiction, Foundations, Assessment, and Recovery. You are the founder of Addiction Reset Community, ARC. And you also have a Facebook group. Uh, it's titled Food Addiction Education. Foodaddictionresources.com. That's another mm-hmm. resource that provides free support. And then you also have the Reset Week, which is the first online live video program for withdrawal. Did I miss anything, John? Oh, gosh. <laughs> we're, we're moving into workplace consulting. We think that workplaces are the avenue to reaching millions. It's not going to come from the medical community. It's not going to come from our governments. But the investors in businesses are, they're paying the bill for the health consequences, the medical consequences of this addiction. And we're thinking that if we could educate investors to support management in um, organizational recovery, organization-wide recovery, that that's the way to go. You can't not do this by yourself because the dominant force in the brain is to belong Mm, and you belong to conforming. So if you're around people who are eating processed foods, your brain will make you eat those processed foods. The brain will conform to the behavior it sees in the five people it sees the most. A lot of people are at their workplace more than they are at home. Once you add in the commute and everything, So we're thinking that if we go to workplace, managers, I think, are frozen. They just don't know what to do. But if the investors support them, if we make a team of the investors and the managers, then I think we have a chance. And with my Stanford MBA, I am totally qualified to consult in workplaces. So we're we're very interested in moving into that area. Uh, wonderful. Do you have the updates on this project on your website as well, John? I'm just getting ready to build the, the workplace consulting website, but the main website is processedfoodaddiction.com. And you can take a self-quiz there. There are 11 signs of addiction, according to the American Psychiatric Association. And we've got those adapted for eating. You can go in there and you can tell in just a few minutes if you're experiencing the signs of addiction, put in your email address so that we can send you the results of your quiz. And then on our email address, you'll see we have a free monthly workshop, a public workshop, and we'll send you the, the video from that workshop. So we're out there. Ah, wonderful. I'll have the website link on your podcast profile too, of course. And I want to thank you again for what you do and how you do it. It's just what is not to love about you? <laughs> the more I think about it, you're so kind, so knowledgeable, and so willing to pass wisdom, healing, transformative wisdom on. Thank I you. really treasure that. Thank you so much, John. Thank you. How do you define success these days? What is to be successful to you? Success is helping a person 
throw off all the barriers, the substances, the foods, the toxic media, the childhood conditioning, success is throwing off all those barriers and getting to know yourself as the wonderful, spectacular person you are. What is another word for life? Another word for life is glorious. <laughs> life is absolutely glorious. No matter what your circumstances are, you can always be in touch with kindness and wonderfulness and generosity. Another word for life is just glory, <laughs> glory gloriousness. Oh, my husband would love that. He often used that word. So that's uh, interesting to hear from you. <laughs> okay. My last question is, what three experiences you wish everyone to have before they lose the body, before they die? So I wish everyone could spend one day with no substances, no toxic media, all the childhood limiting beliefs healed. I wish people could spend one day knowing how incredibly wonderful they are. So that would be one experience. The next experience would be to help another person get to that state. It's incredible to get there yourself, but the thrill, the greatest thrill on earth is to watch another person stop suffering and find out how wonderful they are. And the third experience is, I wish everybody had a sense of themselves as holy. We are spirits. We are holy spirits. And that connection, I think people's self-esteem is so low because the culture just traumatizes them and beats them up all the time. We are light, you know, we are pure light. Yeah. Thank you so much, John. How beautiful. I can see your light <laughs> uh, yeah, throughout, you. not just now, but even before I came here today to interview you. So thank you so much for being courageous enough to uncover that light. It takes courage. So thank you. Thank you. You know, I could be here all wonderful and all this wisdom and knowledge if I didn't have you, Valeria, to put this out into the world. It just you are the one who's bringing value to what I do. So thank you. Thank you again for your beautiful presence. We'll talk soon. Take care. All right. Bye for now, John. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Dr. Joan Ifland and her work, please visit foodaddictionreset.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.